welcome action fans and thanks for joining us for the last time to all 90s action all the time yes you might have heard that this is going to be our final episode for now um, we are going on an indefinite hiatus um, this might be the last one forever it might not be the last one forever uh, we shall see um, it's just become kind of a little bit too much uh, to do this podcast um, alongside my other podcasts uh, New Horror Express and um, obviously my my regular co-host um, runs another podcast as well Bodhound Picks and um, yeah the scheduling has been, just become a little bit too much so unfortunately we're going to have to bring this uh, podcast uh, to a close um, for now. It may uh, reopen again at some point. We may do special episodes in the future when we both um, have time. But for now, this is going to be our final one. But um, <laughs> we've still got one more movie to talk about before we head off into the sunset. And that movie is a nostalgic um "Quote unquote classic from from my from my childhood, actually um, from Craig's as well. But um, sadly, he can't be with us today. It is that classic nut slice of '90s cheese that is Three Ninjas. Like I said, Craig can't be with me, um, but I did need to have a co-host for this one because, like, um, you probably don't want to listen to me just talking into a microphone myself like a madman. No." No, you want to have conversation, and that conversation is going to be brought to you by our special guest. He's a podcaster, he's a Nick Cage expert, he's a ninja master. It's Petros from Caged In Coppola Connections. Welcome to the show, Petros. Thank you so much for having me, and I feel I feel somewhat emotional to be and privileged to be the final guest. I'm, uh, um, I don't, I'm not sure normally. I'm glad that it was announced before. Yeah, I'm so glad that this did, it wasn't announced that this was the final episode after I, I was a guest because I definitely, it my, my self-esteem would have, and my brain would have been going, oh, uh, it's because of me, isn't it? It's because of me that the podcast is over. The numbers were so bad that, that they said, we can't do this anymore. Look at it. We've had, we've had one person listen and that was Petros just making sure he doesn't say too many egregious things about himself. Um, so yeah, for, thank you so much for, for letting me to come kick some ass one last time with you. Oh, no, it's, it's, it's our pleasure. Uh, like, um, or it's, it's my pleasure. I say our pleasure is if, like, I guess like, um, cause Greg's normally here. So like, yeah, but it's, 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 it's it's my pleasure um to have you on the show you have a great podcast yourself and i i wanted to to have you on and i you know when you were keen to talk about this movie i thought yes perfect we can collaborate um <laughs> <laughs> so um before uh, we get into the the movie and uh, before we get into your relationship with the movie as well as always, I usually read out some background information on the film, and I will do that <laughs> now. So, today's film was released on August the 7th, 1992, and was directed by John Turtletop, who also directed films such as Cool Runnings, and um, films that I'm sure you've covered, uh, uh, Petros, the National Treasure films. 
and <laughs> the story was by Kenny Kim, who only has a one other credit, which is a movie called Young Bai. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. And the screenplay was by Edward Emmanuel, who also only has one other screenwriting credit on IMDb, which is Sun Yat-sen in the Mouth of the Dragon. Review-wise, it is currently sitting on 32% on Rotten Tomatoes based on 22 reviews, 36 on Metacritic based on 15 reviews, and it has a 2.6 on Letterboxd. At the box office, it made $29 million off of a $2.5 million budget, making it the 47th biggest film of 1992. And surprisingly, slightly outgrossing both the player and the Muppets Christmas Carol. And um, yeah, and uh, that was good enough box office to then spawn three whole sequels. <laughs> I find it baffling that this outsold a Muppets Christmas Carol, which I think, like, especially having Christmas just passed and the kind of every year that film is trotted out and kind of people just fawn over it and kind of talk about how much they love it. And I'm sure if you do a straw poll of people like who has seen Free Ninjas, they'll go, What? Who? What were you talking about? And so it's, it's, it's crazy that this outsold that film. Yeah, no, it is kind of mad. Like, um, but it's not, it doesn't always add up, you know, because I was looking at the box office for 1992, and in terms of the people, the films that people remember and the films that are at, you know, were big at the box office at the time, it doesn't always kind of match up. Because, like, this movie made nearly three times as much as Glengarry Glen Ross. Wow. Like, Glengarry <laughs> Glen Ross made, like, $10 million at the box office. This made $29 million, you know? And it was like, you know, again, you know, if you're a movie head, you know, if you're a you know, cineast, you know, obviously, you'll be aware of Glengarry Glen Ross. And, like, most people would be like, three ninjas, huh? You know, unless you're of a very specific age group, i.e. you're probably in your mid-30s. 90% of people, um, you know, won't remember this movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm, I don't know. It, I think th this film hit, it couldn't have been made at any other time as well. It is a, a perfect time capsule, I think, of 1992 as well. So I, I think it, it it's a good it's a good film that if you're going to do like a time capsule of the year to to really boil down the essence of what that era was like this is a good representation of that because i guess glenn gary glenn ross could i don't know it feels like a film that could be made any time in a weird way Do you know what i mean it could have been a yeah, 50s movie it could have been a 60s movie easily could have been a 70s movie with how existential and kind of bleak it is on its outlook on life so yeah i think uh free ninjas really capsulates what the early 90s was like in cinema in a weird way especially kind of popcorn fare yeah i i absolutely agree and i think like everything about this movie is so early 90s <laughs> down to the fact that i think you could show 
the people the poster for this film and be like, holy crap, that's early 90s. Where they're like, yeah. just the colour palette of the poster where they're all like karate kicking and it's, it's, uh, it's, you know, that kind of purple and yellow thing. You know, mm -hmm. it's just like, you just know that, that it comes from this period. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got, it's, and it's a film that if there isn't like certain films that came before it, it doesn't exist as well. And I guess like you can look at that as a, a positive or you can look at it that this is a slightly ripping off films that came out right before it. Um, that is very true. Like, I, I guess, and I guess given the review scores, um, it was looked on negatively um, by, by critics um, of the time. Uh, but uh, yeah, it is like a kind of weird mix up of like various things that were kind of various movies that had, had kind of come before it you know it's kind of like part karate kids part bill and ted part home alone part teenage mm. mutant ninja turtles yeah and even even like part beverly hillcops 2 as well in like some regards like the fbi kind of angle to it and like i don't know the the whole arms deal like aspect of it feels very like 80s action movie so very much feels we're, we're in the right place to be talking about as well on this podcast absolutely even down to the fact that weirdly the the actor that they got to to play the the villain rand kingsley who like only has like one other credit like it was just he was just in this movie and, and like in something else um even down to the fact that he looks a bit like Steven Seagal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he looks like that or like a poor man's Terry Silver. Yes, I was also <laughs> thinking that. Yeah, it's like it's a, he's a bit Seagal, he's a bit Terry Silver. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I definitely think they had watched Karate Kid 3 as well. Because like, I almost feel like they draw more inspiration from Karate Kid 3 than they do um, like the original Karate Kid. Yeah, it, well, it feels like they kind of like go. We like those bits from one. We'll 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 nat we'll 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 crib those, and we like the kind of villain aspect of somebody who's like an adult villain. Do you know what I mean? It's like kind of the first film. The villain somewhat is Johnny and the kids, even though you have Crease kind of as the puppet master, yeah. like Terry Silver, and I guess. Uh, we, we, we'll see that come to fruition in Cobra Kai season four with Terry. Maybe this, maybe this is the time that this film gets reassessed is like, obviously that has had its like resurgence and stuff like that. And like Terry Silver is going to be back on screens. Maybe people will see screenshots of this film online or whatever and be like, Oh, maybe I should check out that. He looks a bit te uh, Terry Silvery. We'll, we'll we'll check out what Schneider's got going on. Yeah, and like, um, oh, it's like I really like. I actually really like Ryan Kingsley's performance in this, like as Schneider, because he like he just seems like he's having such a fun time. He's like he's just like every action movie villain cliche rolled up in one. But I still kind of enjoy that. Yeah, and like, like really he comes out with some like really adult lines for a kids movie as well i think like in the film twice he threatens somebody by ripping out one of their organs he's kind of like big thing to the uh, grandfather is like you either do this or i'll rip out your heart 
And then later on in the film, his kind of subordinate, Mr. Brown, as he kind of like relishes saying every time he says his name, it's always Mr. Brown. Um, he threatens to rip out his liver. And it's like, that's pretty like, that's pretty like heavy stuff for a kid's movie. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty hardcore. <laughs> I was I, like, yeah, I really picked up on those lines as well. Um, and like the way he like, and, and like weirdly enunciates things as, as well, like it's kind of, there's something kind of offbeat about the way he says certain lines that I was uh, kind of amused by as well. Mm -hmm. well uh, yeah. It's, it's, it's weird. Yeah. It's weird seeing, seeing as I haven't seen this film since being a kid, they're like, there was just rushes of memories coming back like a lot of the time like lines he says when he's like yeah. um i like surprises or like uh <laughs> as he escapes by again it's, it feels like lifted off of a, a scene out of miami vice or something jumps off of a building onto the ladder from a helicopter and says like i would love to hang around but I've got to fly. And then like, kind of just like <laughs> hanging on this ladder kind of like goes off into the sunset. And it's like, he, yeah, as you said, R Rand Kingsley is having an absolute ball of a time with Snyder. And he, he does seem quite self-aware as a, like a, as a kind of action movie villain. Cause there is one point where he just goes, God, I love being the bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah definitely definitely and like i don't yeah you you often think like i don't know like is it cliche or is it like how self how self-aware are the filmmakers in regards to that as well do you know what I mean is that scripted is that something that like he's kind of gone oh, i know the assignment i'm gonna kind of play about here with it and like um I think I don't tonally his character can could be seen as a bit jarring like this film definitely is a mix of tones and kind of uh yeah. the things it's going for are kind of like oh we're in this movie now okay okay like uh I I'll, I'll go with it I'm I'm enjoying it like let's see where it goes next yeah there there is definitely various kind of levels of kind of like because like you say there is elements to this movie um particularly near the start of the movie that's like it's like a kind of gritty 80s action movie you know with like the fbi sting you know at the start um and uh which you know like i was watching this movie as well and i have to say for the most part surprisingly unproblematic for a 1992 film um, mm, but there I, are certain elements. One of those elements is like one of the FBI agents is undercover as like an Arab sheik, and he's mm -hmm. just got he's just got this really fake-looking stick-on mustache and this kind of uh, it's it's not a turban. It's like you know, um, what would you call them? Yeah, like the, he the, the like the headdress with the kind of yeah the headdress. Um, yeah, and it's like. The vet, like it's it's very stereotypical. It's that kind of you would get a really bad taste, uh, fancy dress costume called like 
like Arab Sheikh, do you know what I mean? Like in the late yes. 90s, early 2000s, and people will be like, well, that's Halloween sorted, do you know what I mean? Like I'm, going as a, I'm going as an oil baron or something like that. Like, uh, yeah, so yeah, and that, that guy is revealed to be an American, right? And he's like, like speak that is the thing he's speaking in in a like an arab accent and then all of a sudden goes hey buddy one more thing you're under arrest and it's like oh he's just he's kevin jones do you know what i mean all yeah, Ameri exactly. american man <laughs> the, uh the more kind of fun element of that scene is like um i like when villains do things to kind of pointlessly show off like there's no mm -hmm. need for them to do it but they just do it anyway <laughs> And when, like, uh, Schneider reveals the goods by elbowing the box and breaking it and then taking the weapon out of it, I was like, yeah. what a move. <laughs> it, yeah, yeah, that is that is great. And then, yeah, well, it's when he delivers that line as well, because obviously he's not come to this party without, like, his plus 50, like, kind of stereotypical ninjas in their all-black get-up when he says, like, I love surprises, and you just kind of see them rappelling down from ropes and stuff like that. Well, that, that, I think the thing that I found jarring about this film is for like a crack team of ninja villains, they are very quick to like use uh, automatic weapons or handguns. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of like they're very quick to be like, yeah, but we're also uh, arms dealing terrorists as well. Like there's a there's definitely like a terrorist thread to this that doesn't really get talked about. That is true. There is a lot of that of like um, kind of oh our ninja powers have failed us. Well, thankfully we have these AK forty sevens on hand. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I got a I got an AR fifteen just in case I can't beat up this ten year old. Yeah. Although, in terms of, like, the, you know, when you t actually, you know, we're kind of skipping about a bit, but, like, uh, when you see the kind of ninjas revealed later on um, at the end of the movie, like, en masse, like, like, you're like, oh, okay, I expected them to probably be, like, Japanese, but they just look like kind of middle-aged mall cops for some reason. This is, mm -hmm. and white is, white is their white, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. You get you get a bit of tokenism in regards to the kind of representation from like um yeah, the, the, the Asian community in certain certain roles and I'm sure we'll get to we'll get to one of them who gets um one character who gets a kind yes. of we, yeah, we'll get we'll get to that. We'll get to that later. Um so like kind of rewinding a little bit, um I I need to talk about kind of your relationship to this movie that's normally how we start before we get into the film but we can sorry kind sorry of I kind of... we've kind of not it's not your fault it's i'm the host it's fine um we've done it a bit backwards we've, we've got overexcited um so i'll let's uh, talk about that now um so petros you can so i like i'm trying to think when exactly i would have seen this so it would have been definitely pre-1999 um and i i remember it, it would have been recorded off the tv in like a brief window when we had sky for a year because i remember it had like the the sky movies like title card on the vhs we had recorded it on off the tv and oh and oh yeah it was definitely pre-1999 because i remember after we got rid of sky 
for some reason our satellite dish picked up german tv so like um i remember yeah i remember around then like watching jackass maybe on like just because we picked up german mtv and stuff like that but um i so yeah i'm i'm, I'm the youngest of three siblings i remember like all three of all, all definitely the first three three ninjas movies kind of had a big impact on us and we would me my brother and sister would play free ninjas like in our we would kind of and being the youngest and probably the most unathletic of the three i was just like automatically tum tum uh, which like at the time i was like i love it i love it he's, he's eating jelly beans he's eating like twizzlers all the time i'm i'm into it i'll be i'll be i'll be the little uh rotund third wheel of of the gang and um I, I i loved it it was kind of it was kind of everything i remember yeah there's photos of me in a in a karate gi as a kid i was i, I lapped it up i remember again being like i love teenage mutant ninja turtles i love the karate kids so this was very much in my wheelhouse of things that i enjoyed and like and it felt weirdly and like especially looking back on it now and talking to other people about their experiences of this film is like i it felt like it was mine do you know what i mean like it was kind of mine and my siblings because not many other people had heard about it i maybe bought one of the sequels in like a video shop or just like a kind of news agent that sold videos as well. I remember it came in a really bulky, remember those really bulky VHS cases that kind of inside had like a an extra slot for the VHS almost. Oh, right, yeah. Like the kind of you had to kind of click it. Ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you kind of had to click it down into it. Yeah, so I'm pretty sure like Kickback came in, came in that. I even at that age feeling weirdly disappointed by that film might possibly then because i just had this love for the original especially like being a, a kid who'd kind of grown up watching like home alone as well because it had that aspect of it and i think when it came to the ones that didn't have that original cast in it i was a bit like hey what's going on here this this doesn't feel right to me like i want those i want those three guys back yeah i i absolutely agree with you because i had the first two on vhs like the first time i brought i i feel like i'm probably slightly older than you um <laughs> so the first time i i picked this up was i'm not sure i probably whenever it came out on vhs so probably around 93 or 94 i probably uh parents bought me this on vhs um so like uh yeah and i really loved this movie and um yeah kickback i i also uh, picked up on on, on vhs as you know, part of a birthday or whatever and uh you know well yeah i was a bit disappointed as well you know like um and i, I had a very similar thing because me me and my me and my brother were, were kind of into kind of martial arts and we were into wrestling and stuff like that so we're always kind of play fighting and, and stuff like that uh, much to the annoyance of my mum <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, um yeah uh, so like 
and it was just, uh, yeah, it just struck me at the right time, I guess, you know, I, I, like you, I was very into Karate Kid, I was very into Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, you know, later I would get into like Bruce Lee and Jackie Chan and all that, you know, I was, I, but when I first picked this up, I was a, a little bit too young uh, for those movies, and uh, yeah, I was just, uh, I just thought this, this movie was great, I mean, obviously it's not, it's not as great as as I, as as I thought it was when I was you know seven eight years old, but um, mm -hmm. but it's still quite a fun watch. <laughs> yeah, that is the thing. Like, I had this with I went on a podcast called uh, Rambling, an Amblin podcast, and I picked a film solely off the base like this, solely off the basis of something that I remember as a kid absolutely loving, and then I was. I kind of, I don't know, once I picked Three Ninjas, I was like, ah, oh, I'm excited, but at the same time, I'm apprehensive, because after talking about Harry and the Hendersons, I was like, oh, I don't oh. think it's as good as my, like, childhood memories of it are. And it's like that element of sometimes you wish you had kept things in the past, do you yeah. know what I mean? Just kind of have those memories of them. Whereas, like, this experience of watching it again was quite i don't know it was like seeing old friends again and like i could kind of forgive it for its uh foibles and the things that didn't quite work it was like a real hit of nostalgia because i i imagine at the time it meant so much to me like and i must have watched it because like I, don't know, I almost had um like sensory memories just from hearing like certain lines or like the mute like the score for it just kind of like really just like brought me back to eating fish cakes and waffles as a kid like uh, w watching it and absolutely loving it so yeah it was it was it was good to good to watch it and not not have my fucking child child not have my childhood ruined as as a lot of fucking big babies say online a lot of the time oh yeah 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 Oh God, there's, there's, yeah, there's a lot of that, but um, I, I, I get what you mean in terms of like, there are certain movies you watch as a kid and you love as a kid, and then, you know, you go back to them years later and you're like, yeah, this, this is not good, not good at all, <laughs> um, it's not even a fun time, but um, like you, you know, like it, it brought back all these kind of warm childhood memories. And it did feel like a kind of like an like an old friend, and and yes, I can see its flaws, and there is certain things in it that I can see now that I couldn't see as a kid. You know, I've seen like a lot of martial art movies now, and like as a kid, I thought the fight choreography in this movie was badass. The fight choreography in this movie is mediocre. As uh, you know, it's, it's <laughs> it, <laughs> let's be honest. Also, like you know. In the opening scene, there's there's something there's things that you just don't pick up on as a kid that I I pick up on now. Like for example, um, how obvious Victor Wong's stunt double is a lot of the time. Oh, <laughs> yeah, like... it's a man half his age with like a pillow, like on like like kind of strapped to his belly to make him look like he's a bit more portly, and it is. They did. They did, like one thing I always look out for in like stunt doubles is hair, and they don't even bother. Like, oh, it's the worst wig. It's the worst yeah. grey wig they've put on this guy. Oh, it's... 
the hairline's not right. Like they haven't got the kind of recede to the right point. No. They kind of and it's, you kind of watching it going. Oh, either I don't. It's like that thing of like get either get someone who can do it or don't make him do, or don't make the character do all this outlandish stuff. Do you know what I mean? Like flips and kind of like I don't know, moving around like he's a twenty-two-year-old. Like make him move around make the fact that he is an older man a part of the humor of it not that he's some kind of superhero ninja master who for all intents and purposes is not teaching these kids ninjutsu at all is teaching them karate <laughs> well that that is the thing with oh yeah i mean the, the funny thing about this movie is um sometimes it forgets that it's uh, a ninja movie and um yes all the kids uh, the, all the kids were martial artists they, they they at least went to the lengths of casting kids who were martial artists all trained in karate um mm -hmm. so like the main style that you see in the film is karate and sometimes that the movie itself forgets that they're the ninja thing because like at one point snyder talks about um karate studios and at another point the dad, who clearly must know that, like, his stepfather, you know, his father-in-law, not his stepfather, his father-in-law is, like, a ninja guy, you know, because it's talked about by the mother plenty enough. But he, at <laughs> one point, says, like, oh, stop training them that karate. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think that, that, though, is what is bizarre. What I find, like, looking back on this film now it is quite bizarre. It's that obviously they would have grown up with their grandfather, but it's just the fact that it happens to be this summer that like it's like they've they've just been trained by him, like especially the way that yeah, the dad yeah. like kind of responds to all of it. It's like surely they've they've grown up with a ninja grandpa, so it would have been like old hat. It wouldn't have been like a new thing to any of them do you know what i mean like whereas the dad's kind of like going about going like i don't know what's this new thing you're into like you've brought home like a kind of like i don't know 92 like you brought home a nirvana cd and he's like what's this new music like what's this new? it's not that it's like that, that, that you would imagine that it would have been ingrained in them from kind of like being toddlers that they kind of legit mean like hitting things and stuff like that but the film treats it like this is a totally new thing to all of them because it's like that summer is that we get at the beginning is treated like it is the the the, the awakening of the ninja in them and it's like but at the same time it's like you've grown up with your grandpa being around or unless they didn't and the film has done a terrible job of not explaining the fact that he's not been on the scene and this is the first summer that they've got to spend with him. I don't know. Yeah, but that, that I mean, that just can't be the case because they seem <laughs> quite advanced in their training. They don't seem yes. like they're like white belts or anything. You, you know what I mean? Like, it seems like they've this, you know, the whole kind of naming ceremony at the start is because like they have um, completed like the kind of, first main stage of their their, their, their training you know like mm -hmm. they are um they're ascending to the kind of the next level kind of thing so it, yes. it, it does seem like they've been training them for for ages mm -hmm. 
since they were yeah. you know babies basically um, yeah not on not an eight-week holiday in the summer just kind of like and he, he, even when it comes to some of that training like and what one of the tra like training things that the grandpa does that is kind of vital to, to the film like later on is he, he he wheels out this kind of i don't know scarecrow that lights up and kind of uh, uh, pressure points and stuff like that and he kind of shows them very quickly like how it works and then goes all right guys you've got an hour with it and then you're done and it's like surely that is something that you would like to really master that technique and all of those like to really know those points minutely because he has a, he has that big speech doesn't he where he's like oh hit, hit the doll here and like yeah. uh, and then uh, rocky does it and then moments later he's like hit here and he's like but grandpa that's the same spot and he's like no 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 it's a, it's an it's half an inch difference it makes all it makes all the difference in the world and then it, then he says to him you've got an hour guys all right have fun I'll see I'll, 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 I'll see you inside for dinner and it's like what what what's going on yeah I mean they are kind of presented as kind of martial art geniuses in in the mm -hmm. movie because like you don't even have those kind of scenes where like you normally get in like martial art training montages be it in like karate kid or or kickboxer or whatever you know whatever you're watching where it like um the master tries to teach them something and then they don't quite get it but then you know mm. through a montage they, they manage to get it you know kind of thing like no these kids just pick everything up immediately like he says you yeah. know when he's talking about like you know kick here then but no it's a half an inch difference they've still immediately hit all the things first mm -hmm. time so Not like obviously they only need an hour because like, <laughs> <laughs> like uh, a slight theory i have on this is that the whole film because obviously like it opens with the kids narrating it which are, they're, and they're like bickering and like kind of saying like this is all about the summer that changed our lives when we became ninja masters and like the, you could look at the film that like it is told from their perspective so as well being children they are fucking lying about how good they are at karate like that's a way you can explain away how good they are at karate it's just been like do you know what I mean like if a kid tells you a story and it's like yeah and then i did this and i did it first time like do you know what I mean as opposed to like i don't know uh leaving yeah, out yeah. the bits where it's like i was a bit crap at this certain thing but that <laughs> may be me giving the filmmakers and the writers a bit too much credit and especially a thing that uh, uh an element of the film that happens at the start and then is dropped completely maybe well seconds after it happens the first time there's no more voiceover whatsoever that that is true that is true i i like it is an interesting theory i i like the theory that parts of this film actually took place but other parts in the film did not take place <laughs> <laughs> they're just they're just lying <laughs> well yeah they're, or they're at least like if you tell a story they're putting like a little bit of spice they're adding like a 15 percent onto what actually happened do you know what i mean like it's kind yeah. of they might have had a tussle but it was nowhere near as kind of like 
glossy or slick as the film portrays it to be. Even though the film, as you, as you pointed out, the choreography is mediocre at best. Yeah, and like that—that that is one of the things that really stood out to me uh, rewatching it. Um, because, like, like I said, I had it in VHS. I watched it throughout my childhood. The last time I watched it, probably I'd probably be in my early teens or something. So, like, um, but yeah, I don't remember the the fight choreography being as kind of mediocre and i don't yeah i don't remember the stunt double thing as much either you know because it <laughs> really stood out to me i was like geez the stunt double work is just like they're not even trying to hide it's not victor wong it's bizarre <laughs> i like the fact though that they kind of learn that they learn the mistake or not mistakes but they kind of they, they 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 see something like the karate kid and be like oh that film takes like a good 40 minutes or so before like daniel is even doing karate like this film is literally opens with like a montage of them training do you know what i mean it's like straight in with kind of here's some ninja stuff here's them kind of doing their training whether it's and it kind of culminates in them like planning an ambush on their grandpa like jumping out on his car and trying to beat the shit out of him and it's like I kind of understand what their dad has some gripes of. It's like, if he's like, yeah, this is how you plan an ambush, kids. Do you know what I mean? Not even, and like the kind of lesson he tries to teach them is like, don't go into a fight. Like, don't, yeah, don't, don't go into a fight unless you're going to win. Do you know what I mean? Like, if you can't beat them up, don't do it. It's like, surely, surely it should be self-defense. If somebody like brings the fight to you, like defend yourself not like if you're gonna beat someone up make sure you can crush them <laughs> it is it is quite a bizarre lesson um but i think like you know what you were talking about of like it going straight into a training montage i think that's part of probably why it appealed to to kids at the time because this movie <laughs> is like a pure sugar rush like i clocked it when snyder visits uh grandpa at, you know at his house and the three ninjas are fighting his goons and grandpa's fighting some of snyder's goons that happens 15 minutes into the film yeah like <laughs> just things just keep happening and you're just like yeah, yeah oh, i'm going along with it <laughs> Yeah, so at that point we've had well, we've had a montage, we've had like the we've had the arms deal, we've had the naming ceremony, like uh-huh. it's it's a full like no messing about and it's like really like in, in, in regards to writing, it's kinda like let's set up the stakes for this as quick as possible. And then kind of I dunno, uh gets waylaid a bit in the kind of middle of like it, what, what is this? Do you know what I mean? We kind of need to pad out the middle. And it's like, oh, we've sent Home Alone. Let's do that. Or do you know what I mean? Like, uh, let's let's have like a a five to ten minute sequence of the kids playing basketball. Like <laughs> that. That's true. Yeah, there there is a like you do have like this first opening kind of twenty minutes or so that's just like non-stop action, and then it's like the filmmakers are like, yeah, we can't keep this pace up. Um, and also, what's the plot of this movie? Oh, okay, <laughs> we'll try and establish some sort of character or narrative. Um, 
I it, like one of the things I wanted to say as well is like we've discussed that generally this this movie's relatively harmless and unproblematic, but the one line that I think you cannot get away with now um, is when the kids are singing and at one point when they're coming back from grandpa's and Rocky sings the line and I shot my poor teacher with a 44 stud and I was like yes yeah that's um that's a pre-columbine line if ever there was one yeah that that that's like pretty heavy right and it's kind of I don't it's bizarre it doesn't it doesn't feel like the kind of song you would be singing if you've just had the summer of your life do you know what i mean no, like that's true. I, I i know going back to school is a kind of like i don't know sends people with dread and kind of cold sweats but like yeah to say you're gonna shoot your teacher is a is 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 definitely over the mark and what is cool definitely definitely for for sure i didn't know that's um uh there's a clear, obviously, sociopathic side um, to Rocky that is not explored in the movie. But, um, yeah, yeah, further examination needed on that. <laughs> so I suppose we should also talk about the, like you mentioned, the kind of home alone part of the section of the movie. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we have these three kidnappers because Snyder, despite all his resources and stuff, obviously the FBI is watching him, so he cannot order his men, even though... Um, anyway, we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, to, to go to the house of, of the Douglas kids, um, so he orders his man, his uh, sidekick, Mr. Brown, to get you know people to kidnap the kids. And those people are these uh, like surfer dudes who are clearly ripped off from Bill and Ted and kind of movies of the time. Like I was, I was going to say Wayne's World as well, but I don't think, or maybe the SNL sketches existed at this point. Like yeah, movie, yeah. I can't remember. I don't know when in '92 uh, Wayne's World came out, but it came they came out the same year, so probably not ripped from the movie. But the sketches, the SNL sketches, might have already been there i guess well it's that it's that archetype isn't it of those kind of yeah. slacker dudes and they i don't know they don't seem like the type not to like pigeonhole but they're like their introduction is that they're sticking up like a a convenience store and it's and, and it, it definitely like uh logic is thrown out the window as well because because the type they are, they kind of like, um, no cares in the world, just eating stuff in their van, like throwing the crusts or whatever in the back, or like just yeah, throwing rubbish everywhere. But the like the leader, um, Fester, has a pager which like doesn't doesn't fit the 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 archetype that they are, especially seeing as they have a sticker on their van that says die yuppie scum a, like yeah. a beeper feels very yuppie do you know what i mean like it's, it feels like everything they're against you yeah i mean you're you're absolutely right um the, you know when you were talking about him having a pager i was like yeah it does seem like a yuppie thing and uh, you know the fact that they have this this die yuppie scum uh thing on their van it just seems 
like yeah, incongruous uh, to to what the characters. And, I don't and know. Back yeah, to... the characters again. Like I'm not sure. They definitely the actors playing those guys do definitely feel like, particularly the guy who plays Fester, do definitely feel like actors playing Sackers. You know, like you know how in the way that like um, Alex Winter and and, and Keanu Reeves come off as like convincing mm. slackers of like, well, they could be those characters. Whereas like this gang, you do feel like, ah, oh, they're you know they're play acting. Mm, yeah, and like I, the, the, the 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 one of the things I like like noted when like Fester came on screen and like his kind of face is like ingrained in my brain. Is he looks like a young john larroquette like the bad guy from richie rich yes yeah <laughs> he does have a very I like, a very unique face I, I i agree with that like um he, it is a face that like when i think about this movie it's one of the you know things i think about from this movie or as in emblazoned in my memory from this movie so but like yeah like and and back to your point of like why they are brought in like the film does do a job of kind of explaining why but then like their explanation as to why then presents problems further down the line in the plot is that like um snyder and mr brown are very aware that the fbi are kind of trailing them so they're like oh we can't use our regular goons we're gonna have to get somebody outside of the kind of sphere of 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 our regular people so they go for these guys who i think like he mentions mr brown mentions in the past they did like some delivery work for them yeah and it's like surely if they'd done that for them you would know how incompetent they are as like a kind of trio of of goons because like what they're sent out to like grab them that night and like yeah like they have a very fair point that they get to the they get to the house and it's kind of swarmed with fbi agents kind of going in for like a a nice cup of coffee and a debrief of, of what's gone on for in the day and then they like proceed to basically stalk the kids the next day right yeah that they like kind of um stalk them in the in the van while they uh, cycle to school or cycle through some sort of uh uh thing that um is you know tell, told you to keep out but uh you know they they just want to do some bmxing do some jumps and stuff oh tom tom doesn't he doesn't want to do that he just he, he likes downhill but he doesn't like the jumping I don't, I'm sure as well that when they get into that fender bender with a cop car, those guys would be wanted for something, considering the night before they had, they had like stuck up a convenience store. Do you know what I mean? Like, they seem, like, as we said, like, Fester is a very recognised, he's got a very, like, recognisable face that when that cop paul like had that fender bender would have gone hey you match the exact description of those guys who turned over that that store last night and kind of and even that is like when they're in that store they like fire off a few like warning shots beforehand it's like that feels like something that would not be allowed 
in a kids movie to date right it's kind of like <laughs> like couple, yeah sticking up a store and being like here's a couple of shots we mean fucking business if you don't give us the money we're actually gonna shoot you yeah it's quite intense for a kids film and like you said about the uh, lines you know snyder delivers about like ripping out livers and hearts you know it does seem like quite you know meaty stuff for for a kids for a family yeah. film you know it's like uh, this is a bit hmm. <laughs> seems maybe a, a little bit over the top but you know you wouldn't get away with it now right enough but uh back in 1992 uh it was all good <laughs> I, I i guess somebody we should talk about is emily because yes. like she very much feels like a product of the time uh, and, and by that i mean a very poorly written female character who seems the her only agency is oh rocky like what am she's on board with the name straight away as well and she's like oh rocky what are we doing are we doing this she's kind of like plays this almost like damsel in distress but also like takes on like a motherly role straight away as well where she's like oh don't be showing off and stuff like that and it just feels like oh really is that like is that how you're gonna write like a female character in this like if, like she she's riding her bmx with them do you know what i mean like she, she she's there willing to do the jumps and stuff like that it's like i don't know cut her some slack guys do you know what i mean they just yeah. treat her like shit. yeah i mean like you say it's very much a product of the time like she spends most of her screen time either swooning over rocky and kind of being like oh rocky oh you know or like being you know like a nag you know and that's 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 how she's written and you know telling them off and um you know like you say about showing off and stuff like that and just like yeah yeah you really didn't put any effort into filling out this character at mm -hmm. all and it like you say it's kind of weird as well because she does have like a couple of moments where it feels like she's kind of one of them like in you know when she in the house when in the kind of home, home alone segment that we're you know kind of getting into like when she's kidnapped by the by the kidnappers and she's held at gunpoint she like you know stamps on the guy and, and then and then you know punches the guy in the face and that and in that moment she's like oh she's all oh, right and you kind of think at that moment it's like oh she's kind of becoming more one of them or something like that or or maybe she's got but that, like no basically that is her that's her one moment of like uh being a bit badass and then she's just put back in her box and yeah there's really it's it's a, a nothing character it, it doesn't really need to be there um because it's so poorly written yeah and like another kind of plot point that kind of i don't know kind of comes out of nowhere and i'm not sure like, i'm pretty sure that like its resolution has been edited like the film has been edited in a way that the resolution was supposed to come a lot earlier is the um the confrontation with like the local bullies and the the, the basketball match and then is obviously that is the kind of coda scene on the end of the film where they get the bikes back but for all intents and purposes everyone in that scene is dressed exactly the same 
as like the day when they lose their bikes in that basketball match. And it feels like in the original script that was supposed to resolve all in the same day, yet they tack on that scene of them fighting at the end with the bullies and getting their bikes back. Like, yeah, it's tacked on the end where it's like, it's clearly filmed at the same time. And like, even to the fact, yeah, Rocky, everyone's wearing the exact same clothes. And it's like got that, I don't know, that callback line where Emily says to Rocky, like, yeah, you can show off. And it's like, I don't know. You've been through so much. Do you know what I mean? You've been through like a kidnapping and like been held at gunpoint that this feels like a weird place to kind of resolve the film. I don't know. Is it supposed to be like, oh, but at the same time, they're kids and uh, <laughs> the, 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 the bigger worries they should be having is these local bullies. Do you know what I mean? It's like, I don't yeah, know. It's, like, it seems I, I bizarre. So because they kind of do the same thing in Kickback where they, I don't know. Like, because the movie in, you know, Kickback ends and the kind of main plot, the plot A, ends, but then, like, uh, there's, like, a callback. In the kind of coda scene in that movie, there's, like, a callback where basically they were, um, they had, like, a baseball game or something, and then they, they fail at the baseball game, but they learn the lessons from the mission um, that they went on in Japan and they come back and they, they win the baseball game, you know, like, um, which again, it feels like a weird place in that movie, but like, I don't know, it, like, it, even that actually feels more connected because like they, they take lessons that they've learned in their trip f to win the baseball mm -hmm. game. So even that actually feels more connected than it does in this movie. Cause like, yeah, like you say, that coda kind of is just like, you're like, oh, right, we've remembered this. Okay, cool. <laughs> Guess. <laughs> I yeah, I I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Like you say, I don't know. Maybe there's a different edit in the movie. There is a couple of different edits of this movie. I like. Um, in fact, I think that some don't have that coda because, like, there's different. Like on IMDb, the runtime is listed as an hour and twenty-four. And um, I think the cut that is mainly shown in America is an hour and 24. The cut that we watched um, is an hour and 35, which is like the international version, which was the, the version that was released in on VHS in the UK and stuff like that. <laughs> so like, um, and I don't think it has the coda. I'm not even like, um, which is kind of weird because I think the original version still has the basketball scene. So that's just entirely dropped. Uh, so yes i suppose it's weird no matter what yeah 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 it says here on imdb trivia the original international version uh the boys lost the basketball challenge so i guess there's an alternative version in the american cut where they win the basketball challenge I and that is kind of that is done and dusted yeah so yeah it just feels like a yeah and in, in talking about the way that it's uh, i i love the fact that um the film has got all these cartoon sound effects because i know that like disney acquired the film so obviously it's a touchstone pictures yeah. uh presentation but they just they add on all these like cartoon sound effects to lessen the violence so everything is kind of like boing 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 swing and it's like 
oh no, the grandpa has just thrown a knife into somebody. You can't like, it, it, there's only so much, you know what I mean? Putting on a comedy boing doesn't lessen the fact that he's just killed a man with a knife. <laughs> yeah, that is true. Um, there is, <laughs> like you say, there's limits to that, you know, it's just like, um, and uh, I, I like uh, but like we said before, you know, even some of the, the lines in this movie do seem kind of like, oh, that seems a bit kind of much for it for a family movie. Like even like that line that Tom Tom gives where he says, let's murderize them. You know, it's like, ah, yeah, yeah, these kids are psychopaths. Like, <laughs> oh, and, and even their whole impetus like when it gets to the like home alone section so obviously like the the guys come in under the guise of pizza delivery men yeah beat up their kind or like like shove a pizza in the face of the kind of nondescript babysitter who kind of like gets a real short like shrift in this film in the way she's treated like even once kind of being locked in a cupboard when she's let out tum tum says to her like and you better have kept some pizza for us. It's like the woman has just been like kind of, I think she's probably getting like $15 to look after you for the evening. And like she's been shoved, a pizza thrown in her face, shoved in a cupboard, kind of like, her, do you know what I mean? A gun, a gun pointed in her face. And then you're giving her shit over like whether she's kept some pizza for you. It's like, yes, they are, they're, they're little psychopaths. And, yeah, and like, let's not forget that, like, uh, when uh, Colt sees that, he then goes back to the room and presents the first part that the babysitter got pizza shoved in her face and she shoved in the cupboard as good news. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He says, I've got good news and bad news. Yeah, it's like, fucking hell, like, justice for babysitter, I'm saying. I know, I know. And then both both rocky and tum tum cheer and like yay and they're like also bad news there's kidnappers coming to get us uh. but then like what i don't get about that is obviously yeah they have the option to just like contact emily get the police involved obviously their dad will be alerted wherever they are and it will be sorted but like their brains work in the the idea that like this is how we can show our dad that 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 ninja stuff actually means something if we can dispatch of these guys and it's like oh right then like you had an option of just like nipping all of this in the bud but like proving it do you know what i mean like you you think that being really irresponsible will show your dad that like being a ninja is a responsible thing that you should do and he should let you do it do you know what I mean like I just I don't understand their logic behind why they think like yeah that they, they, they are, are more than capable to take on these guys but they don't have to yeah absolutely uh I I yeah I'm not I'm not sure I'm not sure where they're coming from in that regard uh either they obviously they just think that I, I don't know obviously they just think that their dad maybe thinks like a kid you know where it's like oh cool you beat these people up cool 
like, just have no <laughs> concept of like uh, how a m- mature person might uh, take that. I've been like, why didn't you just call the guy? Because it is like it's one of those things where you just like, like you do. I mean, if they were just trapped in the room or whatever, and they had to, fair enough. But the film does give them this option that they just don't take, and they're like, nah, we're going to beat the guys up ourselves, which is exactly what they do, and um, beat them up uh, quite badly. Well, I don't yeah, know, that... like, what, what is your favourite kind of moment in this, the Home Alone section in terms of the various beatings that the kidnappers get? Um... I think like uh, it's a really simple one, but I really like the like throwing CDs at them because that yeah. kind of felt like a thing that was like accessible as a kid. Do you know what I mean? It would be like, oh yeah, I kind of want to like. I'm not sure if this portrays me to be a psychopathic kid as well, but like always having that thing of oh, if somebody did come in, like it, given whatever room you're in, like what could I do to defend myself? And I think, like, the thing of, like, oh, yeah, I've got CDs. If I could, like, just, like, kind of ninja Death Star them at their heads, that would be pretty cool. So I think, yeah, that, that that's pretty cool. Like, because some of the stuff they do is pretty, like, I don't know, it, it rivals Kevin McAllister and, like, probably, like, trumps him in a way of kind of, like, because basically at one point Rocky, like, I don't like he's choking out and like it (laughs) near enough hangs fester do you know what i mean like by getting all the ties around his neck and just like tying him up and it's like and then there's that other like nameless stooge who gets like the the fire equipment or whatever that kind of like coal pincher around their neck and it's like Oh, I think they're gonna kill these. Like at one, but at some point, like, I think they're gonna kill these guys. It's not about beating them up. I think they're actually gonna kill them. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I definitely because he, I remember finding that jarring even as a kid. Because some of it seems quite fun, you know. It's like, oh, they're they're slipping on oil, they're slipping on jelly beans, they're having CDs thrown at them. Uh they're being potentially lynched. Hey, wait, what was that last one? Um, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that's like. It is very much like a 10-year-old's fantasy, isn't it? Like stuff that you would do, like apart from the lynching, like the whole yeah. like putting laxatives. You know I mean, like I remember finding it really cool. Like, oh, they're going to put laxatives in their, in their Coke. And it's like, as an adult, you go like, surely they would have te- like tasted that or noticed the kind of the change in consistency because it goes from being looking like Coke to looking like some kind of like melted milkshake almost like in yeah. the cup yeah. and yeah i think like, yeah. probably would have been suspicious of that yeah, yeah. and um yeah it's like so that 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 sequence is yeah it's got some like fun i guess like the kind of macgyvering uh little like pepper bombs of just using spices and stuff like that is a is a cool touch i just find it really funny that like Rocky says to them, like, let's go to phase one. And they immediately know what phase one is of their plan. It's like everyone's had so much time to plan this. It's like the, what is it? The, the, <laughs> the, the kidnappers say, like, first we get to feast in, then we get to felonize him. And it's like, so you've come in, like, 
and you're like, oh, we're just going to sit down for half an hour, have a pizza whilst the kids are just upstairs. And obviously they've put like an action plan in place. It's very bizarre, the kind of like the fact that, yeah, like it's it's not like Home Alone where it's like from the moment they're trying to get in, they're like being stopped. This is like they come in, have a little sit down, they formulate a plan, they formulate a plan upstairs where it's like this could have been ample time to just get the hell out of that house. Do you know what I mean? Shimmy out the window. I'm sure like they could have all three of them should be down a drain pipe yet they're hiding in the underside of a bunk bed in a in a in a chest in like a kind of chest of drawers and in a laundry basket it's like come on guys you could have you could have you could have this all could have been a distant memory it could have been your memory could have been remember that time we were almost kidnapped as opposed to remember that summer we were kidnapped and the, the, the funny thing is as well like Colt could have told them that too like because he hears that line about you know first we feast and then we felonize like so it, it, you know he could have been like um, I think we can escape uh, you know down the drain pipe or something because like they're going to like eat some pizza have some coke before they even attempt to try and uh, take snatch us so like uh, maybe we can just shimmy out but no the battle yeah. must commence yeah because their plan doesn't really come into place until they had been in their bedroom and then they go and check their parents bedroom and it's like colt you take the room that's being renovated tum tum you take the kitchen and rocky's like i'll just deal with the situation at hand as it is and what does he do just he ties ties the doors together or kind of like yeah. gives them a bit of rough and tumble yeah at the top of the stairs it's it's very it's bizarre it's but i can i don't know i have a fondness for it do you know what i mean i sound like i'm just shitting on the movie but i'm looking at it through 30 year old eyes not seven yeah. year old eyes yeah absolutely and i i think like there is there's something fun about the movie's shamelessness like there's a bit in the in the home alone sequence where uh colt goes like oh no kidnappers and does like the kevin McAllister hands to the face thing and you're just like you're yeah. not even trying to hide the movies you're ripping off are you you're just being like it's it's completely yeah, yeah, yeah. cynical exercise here <laughs> yeah and like and obviously like the 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 the, the, the like, yeah the kidnappers almost play like a kind of wet bandits trick as well of of like getting emily to come over by doing like that I do, they feel like free daniel stearns do you know what i mean yes, like in that, that kind of true. instead of having like the, the the cynical like brains of the operation in a joe pesci's harry they're just all daniel stearns they're all fucking idiots yeah it's pinky in the brain with no brain you know <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 it's all pinky no brain yeah definitely oh it's i i do love you know i, I you know, I love a bit of slapstick comedy though, but so like I still laughed just as much as I did as a kid when they they kick open the door, say surprise, and then the door slaps them in the face. It's just yeah, 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 yeah. That's that that, that that's that's right. Because they have like the ultimate kind of nineties kids bedroom as well, right? Like, oh, yeah, it's kind yeah. of and that's the thing. It brings me back to the point of like, why is their dad surprised that they're into ninja stuff? Obviously, they have hired 
somebody to come in and paint their walls with like this kind of ninja mural on the wall it's like so this can't be a new thing that wasn't done in the in the time that they either got back or the time they were away this must have been an ongoing thing and they've got what they've got their nintendo because you see tum tum playing mario free they've got like this trampoline you've got rocky with his kind of two tins and a bit of string which gives you better sound quality than like zoom or like do you know what I mean like doing a phone call apparently yes i, I like uh, i feel that as uh, one of the many unrealistic uh, things uh, in the movie but, uh, <laughs> something that i just rolled with as a kid of like oh yeah of course like uh, that sort of setup you could hear the person perfectly like you could in an actual phone call yeah 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 it's like they send big and gone Ah, uh, they have the walkie-talkies, which would have been a perfectly reasonable thing. It's like, oh no, we're going to give kids unrealistic expectations that they can get a couple of baked bean tins and a bit of string and have chats. It's like I've tried that; it doesn't it doesn't work. Even like I don't know, like two feet away from each other, <laughs> like do you know what I mean? Let alone a couple of like uh, the house across. And then, then we get to the end of the Home Alone sequence and we find out that the Home Alone sequence was entirely pointless because despite the fact we have established in the movie that Snyder cannot send his men to the house, that's exactly what he does. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't get it. And like, I don't get that the Home Alone sequence happened at all because you would have thought. And I don't understand why the parents have gone out as well. So obviously, like, the, the dad is aware. It is, it is known later on as well that the FBI have been trailing the grandpa who's been on to Schneider and his goons at the boat that they haven't somehow like put a do you know what I mean put a guy in a car outside their house as well yeah, yeah absolutely may- you'd think that would be uh, kind of around the clock because obviously um the dad has been on Snyder's tail for a while and like even there's a bunch of stuff there that doesn't make sense either because in the first kind of raid scene um, where the you know like he looks like he's going to get Snyder, but then you know the the ninjas repel down from the roof like we we were discussing earlier. Um, it's not like the dad Sam Douglas was in like a, a massive disguise. He was wearing sunglasses, and it seems at that <laughs> point in the movie that Snyder knows nothing about him. But then mm-hmm. like a couple of scenes later, where he's talking to Mister Brown, he was like. Uh, you know, when Mr. Brown's like, oh, is he a ninja master as well? And it's like, no, Sam Douglas hates martial arts. And you're like, right, <laughs> wait, what? You know his biography? But like a minute ago, yeah. you didn't recognize him from Adam. Like, what is going on here? Yeah, it is bizarre. Yeah, you would have thought that like back to that thing of like, yeah, they're trailing the grandpa. They know about the boat. So as soon as Mr. Brown and a handful of goons leave that boat to come to the house, there would have been cops on them there and then. And it's like, as you said, it, it it makes that whole sequence redundant that like they didn't do it in their allotted time. So, but so they just send guys with machine guns anyway. And a very big, scary guy who like, is just like the, 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 the real muscle. Like, 
Yeah, yeah, like um, the character uh, that uh, Petros is referring to there is like it's a lot of the character names are not mentioned. I'm getting from IMDb because they're not mentioned in the film, but the character is called Rushmore and he's played by a former professional wrestler, uh, Professor Toru Tanaka who, um, despite my professional wrestling fandom, I wasn't really aware of because it seems like the height of his kind of what he did in the then WWWF uh, was in the 70s uh, before, you know, like, I, I really, I've not, I've not watched a whole ton of um, pre-WWF uh, stuff. So, like, I wasn't really aware what? of him, like, as a kid or anything like that. Or, or he- now. But, uh, he's got a pretty yeah, solid um like filmography though like yeah, so he's yeah, in yeah, yeah. he's like, in um, because um, i i feel like people listening to this podcast will might recognize him most as sub-zero from uh running man yeah or he's uh well th- th- this sounds like a very bad credit for a film but he's he's listed as tough asian man in last action hero from 1993 so a year later than this film and a film that i think i have a a, a set of a similar fondness for i have for the free ninjas and i've watched recently and i think still holds up <laughs> yeah i've always loved last action hero and actually it's one of those movies that it's uh, i don't know like there's certain movies from my childhood that i look back on or i have rewatched and been like um, I really liked this as a kid. It has its flaws, but um, I wouldn't recommend it as necessarily a good movie. But um, it it's a nostalgia hit for me. Um, but I don't know. I feel like there is enough in Last Action Hero that I I actually do think of it as a good film, despite its flaws. Yeah, it feels like a nice little kind of um, send off. 80s action movies right it kind of feels like they're kind of right that's kind of done with let's move on to a a, the next generation of it It kind of feels like the because yeah after that we kind of the action hero gets reinvented with regular men as opposed to the arnold schwarzenegger and the sylvester stallones despite them still making films throughout the 90s it's the batons passed over to i don't know keanu reeves or like do you know what I mean like a, a lot more of like a, a, a an every man a bruce willis or even like a nick cage to some degree like yeah that's, that's true. like like die hard's kind of the the dividing line of like you know how mm-hmm. it kind of how action cinema kind of goes into the 90s yes um, you know like uh, so yeah i get i yeah for that kind of period of of action star it's uh, it is a nice kind of send off. I was uh, I'm, I'm trying to think where we are in this movie. We're kind of uh, bounced back and forth. Uh, so we are at the point. We're at the we're we're at the 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 boat. We're going to the boat. I basically yes, we get a great before we get to the boat. We do get a great hero shot of of Victor Wong uh, mm-hmm. in the car lights in in shadow. Which is uh, looks real nice, and I, I think is one of those kind of great kind of fist pumping moments in the movie. He gets some great moments. There's there's one that always like, that made me laugh today, where he's um, he's obviously like knows something's going down, and he's in his full like ninja gear earlier on in the film, 
and he kind of pulls out his um his katana and says to it, he's like old friend we will look after our family and it's like very like okay okay like i don't know why you're training in like the mist at midnight like for this but it's it's kind of cool like and like he's kind of like him skulking out like the docks as well with his binoculars and stuff like that and yeah obviously leads on to this scene where he kind of speaks to sam uh the dad and says like i need to give me an hour isn't it is that classic give like me an hour, yeah <laughs> that 80s like give me an hour i, I can do this I'm a, I'm, I'm a ninja they won't know i'm coming kind of thing and then he does that classic batman thing where like somebody turns their head and then and then and then it's like turns back and it's like huh what he's gone <laughs> yeah and then like he does that great again there's weird things that are like stamped into my brain and one of them is him like shimmying up that rope onto the boat i yeah, just always remember yeah. thinking oh that's really cool i would love to. and it weirdly that this film like the special that boat sequence reminds me of uh grand theft auto 3 because i think like oh, the okay. The final mission on um like the first island is you have to like infiltrate like a boat that's at the dock and i only remember that like so vividly because i remember playing that game uh, not having a memory card and like just getting to that point so many times like on a saturday when i went around like a friend's house yeah who had the game and like he didn't have a memory card so we'd just get to that bit weekend after weekend and then like have to start all over again the next week right yeah <laughs> oh, i hate when that happens well, there's, there's certain certain struggles that, that younger people just don't know exactly <laughs> <laughs> like yes uh, like when you were a kid and like the you know the, the vhs tape like spooled out and then you had to like wind it back in with like a pencil or something yeah like, yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that that or trying to trying to record a film on a tape and then the tape ran out or something like that do you know what i mean or like oh god yeah um, yeah because they're only like three hours long or whatever <laughs> yeah set, setting a setting a tape to record at a certain time or do you know what I mean? Like if somebody stopped it halfway through or whatever, being like, oh, why is this on record? Because you've got to tell your parents, um, recording Commando, like at the age of nine. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that adds up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, a, a, a film again that like this film has elements of, do you know what I mean? Like that whole thing of like the villains coming to like the, the house way out where do you know I mean out, of no, out out in the middle of nowhere to kind of like do their mission statement and then having like the 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 hero having to infiltrate like their base almost at the end like yeah this does i think this film very much hits on like archetypal action movie tropes really well in that regard yeah that I mean that that's absolutely true because like there's there's so many things in this movie that are just kind of like feel a bit like other movies even like um you know the character Rushmore that we just talked about you know has that kind of odd job vibe to him of like this kind yes. of stoic silence you know but deadly you know henchman uh, mm -hmm. so w when we get to the boat like <laughs> the, the like 
one, one of the, I guess one of the threads we've kind of like not talked about in this film is the fact that like Colt has this big thing that like their grandpa is a bad guy, right? Like he's like because they're 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 in this holding cell and they're kind of all saying to each other like that's it we're gonna die. Yes, um, and like that comes from one of the other kind of uh, th- one of the kind of things that I think I can even question as a kid of like uh, Colt discovers that uh, the gra- grandpa knows Snyder through a photo <laughs> that's on an FBI file which is in his dad's office, which his mum also knows about because it, she was like, yeah, just look at that photo on his desk, you know? Like, uh, you, you can see all the evidence there because we just have evidence all about the house, you know, about the big case that, you know, nobody should know about. But, you know, it's just uh, kind of out and about. Just just flick through, you know, have a, have a swatch. Yeah, what I find... One thing I really do find bizarre about this film, and obviously... Um, don't, like I, I don't quite understand it is the fact that they didn't cast an actress who is 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 Margarita Franco is she known for being no she so she's an American she's, no, she's a- Mexican American yeah the, like it doesn't make any sense that like because it is established that um, Victor Wong's character Victor Wong who is a Chinese American um, playing a Japanese man, but you know, it's for Hollywood of this time, it's close enough. But uh, yeah, he was married to a white woman, but in the in the it's established in the movie that he was married to a white woman, so the character should be half Asian, but instead they cast somebody who is Mexican American, so yeah, yeah, which is very bizarre because there's that whole speech that she delivers in the car, which is like, I guess that's from my like my Japanese side and I guess that's from my American side and it's like mm. you look American like do you know what I mean like I don't know there's obviously like I don't know like it, it just it just feels bizarre casting do you know what I mean it, it it feels it feels weirdly like whitewashing in some way do you know what I mean it's like surely there were plenty of Asian American actresses to play that part, do you know what I mean? Or people with dual heritage who yeah. could have played that part at that time. Sure. It just feels like, yeah, if it, it, it I, I, I guess even like as a kid, I was like, would looking at it and going like, who, who's he related to? Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, <laughs> kind I of mean, being like, that is one of the things that, like, like we discussed earlier, there's plenty of things that I did not question about this film as a kid, but the fact that these three wonder-bred white American kids are the, you know, are the grandsons of this um, quote-unquote Japanese man uh, it, it was always kind of like, what? Wait. And then <laughs> the fact, you know, and like like you say, it'd be even that little bit more convincing if their mum would kind of Asian, you know, like kind of be like, oh, okay, like maybe they're they're more, I don't know, like more of their dad, I guess, or, or like, but the yeah. fact that she doesn't look and isn't, um, you know, of any Asian blood is, yeah, it's really 
weird. Yeah, yeah. It just felt like a point that needed to be like kind of mentioned before we like delve into this kind of. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I, I mean, I was, um, <laughs> it, it was in my notes to bring up because it is one <laughs> of the oddest things about this movie. And as much as the, the movie is genuinely unproblematic, one of the the biggest problematic element of this movie is exactly that, where it does feel like whitewashing, and it does feel like, oh no, we've got to get these three all American kids who are somehow the grandson of a Japanese ninja master played by mm-hmm. Chinese-American Victor Wong. <laughs> so, like, and I'm not sure how you feel about it. Like, their plan, well, Rocky's plan to get the guard out, like, get them out of the cell. Like, for one, why is there a phone in their cell? I put that in my notes. That was one of the things I put in my notes. I was just, like, I was so confused. I was like, what? Why did they put them in that cell? with a phone and and what why is there a switchboard i don't i don't understand yeah why yeah why is there a switchboard on the boat (laughs) frank is that you frank (laughs) none of this makes sense i mean at this stage i was just going with it (laughs) and i i i love the fact that there's like um we're supposed to obviously he knows that his name's frank like they must they must he must know how he sounds there's two instances in this film where people do really unconvincing voices of other people and the people immediately buy it like yes there's there's that moment and then there's the moment when uh fester calls emily to lure her to the house and goes oh yeah come on over like like we'd love to see her and it's like you you you, like you imagine that emily has got some like helga style shrine to rocky in a closet like uh like yes. yeah like hey arnold style yet she she's happy to just go oh yeah this guy who's clearly an adult putting on a child's voice that's the guy that's the guy i spend every day with i'm going over do you know what i mean i'm hopping out of bed slipping my jammies off and getting into some comfies to to go on over to see what's going on <laughs> Yeah, that that is very true. That that is also one of the scenes that made me laugh. Of like, he's basically doing like a bad Mickey Mouse impersonation, but you know, like yes, that completely yeah. convinced that that was Rocky on the phone. And then and then Rocky does like a real like, yeah, it's 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 akin to uh, that that slowed down voice that Kevin McAllister does on his Talk Boy to yeah. be like it's it's peter McAllister, the father and it's like that doesn't sound like a human being it's like that, that like that clearly sounds like a 12 year old boy pretending to be an older man but being like yeah i'm just testing the phone and it's like why would they be doing tests on the phone like do you know I, mean? I, don't, I don't quite get it why do you be testing the phone <laughs> People are just immediately convinced of things in this part of film. They're like, they don't question anything. There is no questions. It's just like, okay, that seems legit. I think we have to, it's phone testing day, right? In all the uh, prisoner cells. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, um, yeah nobody questions Emily as well when she like provides that like um, like ransom note from, from Snyder that she kind of presents to the FBI. She's like, oh yeah, by the way, 
here, here's a note for you. And it's like, what? Like, is she in on it? Is she a part of Snyder's gang? Yeah. I mean, again, I think sometimes the movie just forgets about things. It's just like, oh, we're on to the boat sequence now, the big action sequence. It's, it's like, excuse me, um, there was like three kidnappers in the uh, the Home Alone sequence. Mm-hmm. Were, were they arrested? Um, did they go with Mr. Brown and the, the gang? Did they escape? Were they were they murdered? Because like it, they were threatened with being murdered if they failed in their mission. So like, did that happen? Like, uh, no, no, no answers. Okay, movie, we'll just move on. Don't worry. Uh, yeah, they don't. Uh, they don't. They don't. They don't tie that thread up, do they? And then no, they're just never talked about again. Yeah, that's bizarre. Because then we get, yeah, when we get back to the boat, well, when we're on the boat, they obviously escape from their cell. And then it, that sequence of them kind of uh, just like going about the place and uh, beating up guys, again, is, 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 is pretty fun, pretty fun stuff. And I like the kind of, there's that moment where they subvert like there being a big showdown because there's that guy with the face paint um, who I think is the actor who played Colt's um like actual trainer, trainer in yeah, real life yeah, like yeah, yeah. He, but like yeah instead of like he's got like again these these guys are like guns and katanas against kids and like he's obviously got wielding this katana and then like colt's like leave it to me and then just like basically like burns his face of steam right <laughs> yes indeed yeah um yeah burns his face with steam and then like uh cuts his clothes to ribbons that's basically what happens. Um, but that scene always, like, that is one of those sequences that, like, from my childhood viewings, like, always really stuck in my head. Because, obviously, you know, he is probably the one ninja in the movie who's actually Asian. Um, yeah. And uh, also because he's got that, that face paint. And also because, like, he just does this weird thing where he licks his sword and like it always just like is emblazoned in my memory of like, what? Why did you do that? <laughs> Seems like a weird thing to do before going into yeah, weirdly, just being like, <laughs> like okay. yeah, weirdly sexual for a yeah. kids film as yeah. well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What one of the things I don't quite understand about this boat as well is there's like multiple times they go down wooden stairs, and it doesn't feel like you'd have wooden stairs on like the type of ship it is do you know what i mean like it's like yeah, you think it'd be like steel steps yeah, like, yeah it's like, like, it's like this is clearly filmed on a set like they had the boat for the exterior so that it's like everything else we're doing it on a set guys <laughs> yeah i i think obviously you know this film didn't have the biggest budget i mean like um in terms of like hollywood filmmaking anyway um, because like there is certain things where you can see uh, that are like budgetary shortcuts of like you get the impression that Snyder lives in a big mansion, but you only actually see one room. Yeah, that is that is that is yeah, it's, it's kind of like office room, right? Yeah. So so like you imagine it's a big mansion, but obviously they could only afford to be like, oh, we we got this set that we we can kind of make it seem like it's. A big mansion, a room within a big mansion, but it's, you know, it's just a room. <laughs> so, should we? Is this when we talk about the big showdown? 
this is pretty much where we the one thing that I did want to mention I did think was quite funny um before we mention the big we, before we go into the big showdown is there is a moment where the kids are fighting various incompetent ninjas who are kind of like the putties in in Power Rangers completely useless uh, and there's one ninja who has like uh, nunchucks and he's like showing off the nunchucks and beats up the two guys next to him, and it, it made me laugh as a kid, and it still made me laugh uh, this time as well. Yeah, because there's that moment as well where the kids like fashion nunchucks out of like wrenches and stuff like yeah, that yeah, as well, yeah, isn't yeah. there? Which is just like, it feels kind of ingenious that they do that. And it's like, as a kid, you're like, wow. Watching it now as an adult, it's kind of a bit like, how did they do that? Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, these kids are, as we've established, magical, or possibly, like you say, the the whole film is is pretty much a fantasy where um, parts of it <laughs> happen or parts of it are massively exaggerated. But um, yes, now we go into the final showdown, um, and like I suppose we should, the kids kind of have their showdown. And, and then, obviously, Grandpa has his showdown. So the kids' showdown is they meet back up again with Rushmore, who um, kind of handily kidnapped him. Uh, but but this time, Grandpa says, Remember the dummy! Use, usefully. And uh, they suddenly, and they just they just beat him up. And uh, But I always, like, the way... I, I, I love, you know, maybe because like he's a professional wrestler or was a professional wrestler before this movie was made. Um, I love how beautifully uh, Professor Toro Tanaka sells being beaten up by the kids. And yeah. the way he falls over is great. Well, what I love about that scene as well is the way that it's intercut with them doing their training. Like, like every time they hit him, it's like the pressure points on the dummy light up and stuff like that. We get those like intercut. Like one of the things I don't quite understand about this is what the grandpa does next. Cause obviously like he has had this time to get in a good position yet. Once they take down uh Rushmore, he just jumps in the middle of this like makeshift dojo that they've made on the boat. I don't quite get it. They're arms dealers, but they still got time to train. Like I don't, I, I don't quite know what their end goal is as villains either do you know what I mean are they yeah i'm not quite sure i mean like there's lots of things i honestly don't understand about this operation like, <laughs> and there is lots of things that i'm just like like why is for example snyder at the start of the movie like um you know when grandpa and the three ninjas dispatch his incompetent ninja goons like he admits their incompetence He's like, yeah, they're not very well trained. And I'm like, apparently, according to the movie, you're like a multi-millionaire arms dealer. Can't you just afford a better trainer? Like, just, or get better ninjas? I don't, I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or like, sure, yeah, the film is set up that the only kind of expert trainer that is in the world is victor wong's character right it's like yeah. everyone else pales in comparison but it's like i don't know surely like yeah you know, if, if you think about it like Ip man taught bruce lee and bruce lee taught 
tons of people how to how, how to fight and it's like surely uh snyder has those lessons that he learned from victor wong's character so surely he could be like leading sessions that's what i don't get about it do you know what i mean it's like that's true because uh, it is kind of set up that like he is the no, like snyder uh, likes to believe that he's become you know it's like the the you know the, the darth vader thing you know like um you know, like the you know he's become the master now and uh you know so like and even if he's not even if he's not as good as Victor Wong he's still like the the number two so I don't yeah so basically his apparently he's great Snyder is great but his training's real bad or or either, yeah. <laughs> or, either he, or either that he has other trainers which doesn't make sense because he thinks of himself as the best ninja in the world so it doesn't make sense that he would be palming the training off to somebody else so whatever way you cut it doesn't make sense yeah and then and yeah and then you kind of look into the fact of like like what what do they want that's what i don't that's what i don't get because obviously like their arms deal has gone down. It's not like it's established like they have another arms deal set up or anything like that. It's like they just want to get out of there. Do you know what I mean? It's like, I don't know. It's like you don't know. It's really nondescript of where they're going on that boat or are they like, is it a thing of once, like how far, like, do you know what I mean? How, how I'm sure they would be picked up. Even if they got away on the boat, they'd be picked up by the Coast Guard in no time. It's like an unmarked boat, not, do you know what I mean? Without, like, the kind of uh, correct papers or, like, predestined shipping route of where they're going next. And be like, oh, yeah. this, this this boat isn't on any of the logs. Like, let's flag it down. It's like, oh, it's packed full of uh, loads of illegal weapons and just a shit ton of guys in gi training in the hull of the boat doing karate training, yeah yeah training, yeah because yeah, yeah. Like, they're because the punches they are doing the drills they are doing i was like i remember doing them from karate you know like <laughs> <laughs> the other thing is like again there's just several things that are just not established in this film where snyder mentions a colonel farouk a couple of times in the movie and i do not know if the colonel farouk is like a buyer or if colonel farouk is like like basically schneider is shredder and you know colonel farouk is crying you, you know what i mean yeah like I, yeah. again it could be one or the other i have no idea but like he's mentioned a couple of times nothing's done with it uh, like the script of this movie is just like there's so many holes yeah i i think they're just like kids kids will like the fighting like let's just kind of like let's just whip through it as quick as i guess that's probably why in america it's an hour and 24 minutes because it's like by the time we roll credits you would kind of be like so whiplashed and kind of like swept away in it all that you're kind of like leave the cinema going oh yeah yeah that was great like do you know what I mean you kind of your head's spinning yeah, around yeah. and you're like yeah yeah uh I, I haven't had any time to let logic set in and realize that it's a it's a house of cards do you know what I mean the simplest of blows and it will all come falling down <laughs> oh dear yeah and I'm going into the kind of the final battle like mm -hmm. I don't know if you were thinking this as well, but like the like the final confrontation between uh, Snyder and Grandpa, 
And I must mention, before I, I talk about the battle itself, um, Snyder's gay is, is beautiful. Like, there's a kind yeah. of maroony, silky thing he's got on. I always thought that was so cool. I was like, oh, man, where did he get that from? That's such yeah, a badass gi. <laughs> it's like a kimono, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that, like, what's great is that is uh, Rand Kingsley's uh, IMDb photo, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, it's him in that gi. So that is how he's immortalized forevermore. <laughs> It, it is amazing oh oh what a, what a great quote i wonder if he took that costume away with him like um you know because you know how like sometimes films film you know actors and that take things from sets and stuff like if i was yeah. given that gi i'd be like yeah like uh i i don't know it's currently in the wash i'll, I'll give it back to you it's okay <laughs> <laughs> but yeah the thing i was going to say about the final fight is like it's filmed weirdly like it like it, it's like um, somebody, a lot of the shots are like from the rafters above, and like mm-hmm. I don't know if it's trying to obscure the kind of obvious stunt double work again, but uh, yeah, it's it's kind of oddly filmed. I, I feel. Yeah, I don't. I think a lot of it does come down to that thing that they're trying to uh, divert your eyes away from the fact that it is not Victor Wong. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of um. There's never hit. He's only ever shown in close up, right? In yes, yeah, because uh, Victor Wong himself not a, like a martial artist. He's done very m- many other things. He was before he was an actor. I think he was a broadcast journalist, and he's he, he did improv and different stuff like that. But he's not like a like a martial artist, as far as I'm aware. Yeah, but that's like when you think of like the Karate Kid, like Pat Morita, like is at least given stuff that is doable. For a yeah, man it's kind of game, simple like enough that? that like any anybody, even somebody from not from a martial art background, could do. Yeah, yeah, and like where's this? Like they're going right. We're gonna get him doing like flips. Like he's yeah. As I said earlier, he's like he's moving around like he's twenty two, not like a man clearly in his like like mid to late sixties. Yeah, it's, it's it's a bit it's a bit much to ask of anyone. <laughs> but um the fact that he is doing like these kind of double backflips and all this kind of stuff and like all these kind of aerial attacks and drop kicks and uh flying kicks and it's it's a bit so yeah so it is i i guess the it is because of that of like they're trying to disguise things but it kind of looks kind of awkward and clunky because they you you just oscillate between these kind of eagle eye shots and these kind of like real tight close-ups to, to yeah. be like just don't look just it's it's, it's <laughs> him it's totally him right <laughs> I, I i love the fact as well before this battle that uh tup, like tum tum gives us check of jelly beans but oh yeah being like I have my lucky jelly beans and like that is the thing that like ultimately wins victor wong the battle i always loved this sequence it was my it was always my favorite moment in the movie because I love when a villain gets super overconfident and then gets his come up and straight afterwards. 
So when yes. like uh, when Snyder picks him up and is like, whatever happened to you know not going into a fight that you know you can't you know, like only going into fights that you know you can win. Ah ha 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 And then and then he just rams a bunch of jelly beans in in his mouth and he chokes on them. It's a beautiful <laughs> moment. And I love the fact that ultimately like possibly the runt of the litter that is Tum Tum is kind of laughed laughed at by the other. The other siblings is kind of like the one who saves them as well do you know what I mean like yeah absolutely. He's, the, he's the one who gets like the joke name like the do you know what I mean like rocky and colt are pretty cool and it's like hey hey tubby you'll just be tum tum <laughs> yeah yeah that, that's I, I mean that is one of the other things of like a, a marker of it being super early 90s fat jokes yes i was like and what 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 like what is kind of interesting about like once like um snyder is choking on the jelly beans is like you get that moment where um more uh more, yeah maury the, the the grandpa like has has that moment where you can see like real anger and rage in his eyes and it's kind of again similar to like um pat marita in um karate kid where like he's given that option that like with a single blow he could like end this man's life and it hangs on it for a good couple of seconds where you think is he gonna do what pat marita does at the beginning of karate kid part two where he just does the like onk on the nose do you know what i mean like he has that like because it, it's like is he going to hit him is he going to not and then just, just he obviously decides like giving him that final blow is not is it, it, is not the move like i kind of let him wallow and kind of um well no he like yeah Snyder gets shot right doesn't he yeah he gets shot in the shoulder because basically um like Maury kind of picks him up and he is going to land that final bow but then he he looks over to his um you know to the grandkids and he's like oh no I cannot I mean to be fair like a couple of like 10 minutes ago he ruthlessly dispatched a couple of ninjas murdering them but like um <laughs> now he has second thoughts as he can see the children's sad faces and he's like no i will not kill this man in front of the grandkids i will only kill people when the grandkids can't see um and then he puts them <laughs> down and then snyder is like snyder never loses because he's the exact same sort of prick who talks about himself in the the third person and tries to grab one of the, the many ninjas uh, AK-47s and then gets shot in the shoulder. Again, it feels like the, the the FBI come in at like the exact right moment. Do you know what I mean? They've probably been there the whole time. Could have intervened earlier, yet they've let it play out and gone, right, no, now he's got a gun, let's shoot him. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, like I can just imagine like, um, you know, Sam and the other FBI agents like kind of taking bets on the fight. Of being like, nah, I'm sure Maury's got this. It's fine. I mean, like, yeah. we'll, I mean, if if he is going to get, if he is about to be murdered, I, we we can intervene, guys. But like, I I think Maury's got this. Let's see how this plays out. Yeah, yeah, we got we got snipers in the rafters just in case. But until that point, we'll just we'll just we'll just hang back and see how it plays out. Yeah, I love. Yeah, that, that would have been great. A little cutaway to them guys going. You reckon he's got it? I don't know. Let's see how it plays out. I'm taking 20 bucks on Snyder. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
this is like a little chalkboard that they've got, you know? <laughs> yeah, it would have been perfect. Oh, dear. But, yeah, you know, because it's a kids' movie, we get, we get a happy ending. Although, to be fair, again, it does kind of push the violence a little bit for a kids' movie because when Snyder, before Snyder is defeated, when Snyder hits Mori with that kind of slow-mo roundhouse, that's a brutal blow. Like, um, after he, like, throws the pepper bomb in his face and then, like, slow-mo roundhouse kick to the face. And it's like, yeah, you know. There is there is definitely some violence in this movie that kind of pushes the kind of PG certificate or whatever it got at the time. Oh, definitely. Yeah, that, 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 that definitely, like, kind of... And I think I think there was cuts made, right, to get it down there to was, the PG There was there was some cuts made, um, particularly for the UK release, because like I remember as like uh, as a kid with the popularity of things like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, like there was a huge kind of moral panic about like kids running around the streets with you know uh, nunchucks and and stuff like this. You know, like there was a real thing about like martial arts and martial arts weaponry um yeah. scare about them like when i when i was you know growing up you know because I, I mean like when this movie came out i would have been like i don't know like seven or something um <laughs> so but i so i kind of remember from that time that people were paranoid about it so there was definitely <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah and like uh, well like a, th- a thing with the end of this movie is obviously like the kids were right in fighting those goons at the house and then kind of getting kidnapped because their dad is on board with it all, right? Yes. So it all works out exactly how they planned because um, dad, who was, you know, like all dads in, in 90s movies, was a workaholic who ignored his kids. But by the end of the movie, he is suitably impressed by their ninja skills and the fact that they beat up a bunch of other ninjas that he's he's now he's on board. He's going to be more in touch with the kids and he even knocks back paperwork uh, for going out for pizza with his children because now he loves them. <laughs> and, and pizza is the way to, to a kid's heart. Right. Yes. Although, <laughs> although, although apparently Maury not a fan of pizza. Yeah, so there we go. But he does it for the kids. Yeah. It's um. It's a, yeah. And then I get. I, it feels like we don't need that coder on the end of it, right? Again, it no. feels it feels out of place. It feels like you're kind of transported back to the middle of the film again. It's like, oh yeah, like. It's kind of like, I don't know, almost like a reshoot. Like, oh, yeah, we need the bikes back. It's like, oh, no, we've got that bit on the cutting room floor. Let's just, like, tack that on the end. Yes. It's like, oh, yeah, of the many loose threads in this movie, this is the one that needs tied up. Yeah, not even, like, lip service to the fact that, like, people were arrested or, you know what I mean, Snyder's going to spend the rest of his life in jail or those guys who tried to kidnap the kids uh uh, uh, behind bars or anything like that it's just oh yeah we, we need we need to get the bikes back to them and like give them a moment to like i don't know beat up the local bullies it's it's, it's bizarre it's a bizarre way to end the film and it, it only gets even more bizarre when we get to that that song that runs through the credits <laughs> so this movie is 
very early 90s in many ways. And one of the ways it's very early 90s is it has a kind of MC Hammer Vanilla Ice style, you know, pop rock, pop rap song um, called Kid Power, which is intercut with dialogue from the movie. And, um, you know, it's, again, it just seems like um, they had maybe watched uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 and had seen like the Vanilla Ice track and been like, oh, we need mm-hmm. one of them in this movie as well, you know? Yeah, it's by an artist I've never heard of as well. It's by Same here. <laughs> Will Rock. Never heard of Will Rock. And the the use of like yeah, like clips from the movie and like kind of obviously put onto like some kind of trigger pads where they're like, Shut up, butthead, shut shut up, butthead and it's like they seem really disjointed with the with the music that's going on i don't know it, that 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 in itself feels like some kind of like cultural appropriation and doesn't feel i don't know that, that, that yeah that, that I, I and i'm imagining i'm going to uh google what real will rock looks like because i have a a, a sneaking suspicion he is a white man it's difficult, like, uh, Googling Will Rock, um, like, the ROC comes up, um, which is a different rapper, and um, because, like, Will Rock's real name's William Griffin, which I I, I was looking up, and Rakim from the, uh, from the Wu-Tang, his real name's William Griffin as well, so it gets confusing Googling him. Oh, so, uh, I guess we'll never know. <laughs> <laughs> he's lost in the midst of time <laughs> yeah i guess i guess that's it um um yeah so it's a weird note to end the podcast on but that seems only appropriate for this show so um yes as we wrap up um do you, do you want to give you know go ahead plug your own show and uh, uh, give us where give our listeners where they can find you on the interwebs uh yeah so i'm, I'm normally pretty bad at like selling the show uh for some weird reason but yeah you can find me on all podcast platforms just typing caged in copla connections and you'll be able to find the podcast which started off as a Nicolas Cage um, retrospective podcast from the view of a Nicolas Cage agnostic who has become a massive Nicolas Cage fan throughout the whole process who has now moved on to shaking every branch of the Coppola family tree to determine are they the greatest film family of all time it kind of felt right seeing as Nicolas Cage is a part of this absolutely majestic movie dynasty and gives me a podcast for the next three years at least and yeah so you can find that as i said on all podcast platforms or you can find me on all the social medias that is twitter instagram facebook and letterboxd at caged in pod excellent 
and I would recommend to all our listeners uh, that they tune into your podcast because I think it's an excellent podcast and you do excellent work. And um, by by this stage, I don't know. I think even though we are recording this in December, um, like uh, this episode will go out in February. I don't know when in February at this moment. Um, so I might have appeared on your podcast by this stage. I might not yes. have. I'm not sure. Um, but we're talking to the, to the future as we so often do in this podcast where things are often recorded out of order and we admit that to the audience just to confuse them. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's the end of the show. And uh, and I don't kind of know how to end it because normally I end the show with our social media details and telling you to review the show, rate, review, and subscribe. But you know now we're coming to to an end. Maybe you know if you give us a shit ton of five star reviews, maybe we'll we're forced to come back. Uh, but, but you know, so do, do that if if you want. Um, we'll probably keep the the Twitter up going. It's at nineties action. Um, if you're interested in my other show, New Horror Express, you can find that on the website, New Horror Express. Um, you can also find that on Facebook, uh, on Twitter, at New Horror EXP. Or if you want to tell me I'm wrong in my many film opinions, um, personally, uh, you can you can always do that on Twitter, at ScottMurphy85. But, um, yes, thank you very much, Petros for um, joining me for this final question mark edition um, of All 90s Action all the time. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. And and goodbye to, to you all listeners. I really hope you enjoyed this show for the short time that it's been on air. I know we have a couple of regular listeners and... Um, Yes, uh, I hope everybody's ha had a good time with it. I did. I got to relive um, a bunch, a bunch of movies, and talk about a bunch of movies that I'm very nostalgic about uh, in my childhood. And I also got to talk about uh, some films that I never ever want to watch again. But uh, <laughs> but you know, you take the rough with the smooth. So um, goodbye to you all. Right, I've stopped my recording.